podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey everyone, my name is Danilo Petrovic. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudla. I'm Evgeny Donsko. I'm Henry Laksan. I'm Peter Torepko and you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Here we are for another podcast, and we're going to wrap up some of that stuff that was happening over the past week. And obviously, the biggest thing on the agenda is that man, Rafael Nadal, undefeated in 2022. It has to be said, 15-0. and And he's not only won the Australian Open, he has now gone and won in Acapulco, and defeated Daniel Medvedev for a second time, and also now defeated Cam Norrie in straight sets, as I predicted. JG, how are you doing? You a bit psyched after that big win for Rafa? Oh, Must mate, be. massively. He's just started the year so well. Of course, his best ever start to a season. It's the perfect start. 15 matches, 15 wins, three titles, a grand slam in there as well. He's playing good tennis. There's no signs of real injury with the foot. He, he's smiling. Um, and listen, as a Rafa fan, you can't have much more than that. They're not calling it a Acapulco win, Ben. Anyway, it's called the <laughs> the Rafa Polco. I thought I should correct you on that. I like um, it. It's now the Rafa Polco. He's won here a few times to claim his well, fourth time. So he beat Norrie six four six four to claim his fourth Al- Alberto Telso crown and his ninety yeah. first career ATP singles title. I thought there was a funny moment where he was asked by the the sort of interviewer. Um, Talking about was it 91, 92? And, and Rafa was himself didn't know how many titles he'd won. So he no, was asking I mean, the interviewer, How many is it now? Is it 90, 92, 91? And they had to verify how many titles he's actually won. So it must can't. be it must be great when you get into that level where you're winning so many, you're losing track. And you that's what Rafa certainly remember, doing. Can you? I mean, come on. I mean, how are you gonna you, remember? You certainly that? wouldn't remember. I remember. No, if, I wouldn't. I if, would God definitely... forbid you could actually was good at tennis. You'd have no clue. <laughs> hey, what are you trying to say? I remember I played you once, lost once. See, look, see, I've got a good memory. <laughs> if that went over three or four times, you'd start getting a bit cloudy. I would. No, no I, tell, I tell you what, I did. In during the matches, if there's no one taking the score, it gets a little bit hairy. I have to say so. I, I don't blame him. If you've got to 90 uh, victories or around that, and when we were even saying about his hardcore form, set, what was it, 75 or something like that, just over 50% of the victories. So it was about like yeah. 75 to 74. 73, 72 or something. Something like that. 75, 74. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was very, very close. But imagine trying to keep track of that as well. All of these statistics are ridiculous for Rafa. And he's, well, he even said, I don't even like the name, the King of Clay. Uh, I'm the fourth in the all-time listings of most hardcore wins on tour. So I don't think you can call him king of clay. Well, you can, but you've got to say, pretty high up there on hardcourts as well, isn't he? He's pretty good. He's not bad. I mean, he's great. And someone who loves him as much as I do, certainly, is Mei Jiang in the live chat, one of our members as well. I want to give a shout out to you. I can see you there saying hello to everyone. Of course, you're so popular. You know everyone in the live chat. And you've been supporting us a lot recently. So I want to give you a shout out. We appreciate the donation off the stream and appreciate you buying some of the latest merch. Um, yeah. But buying a Rafa number, I believe. If what? anyone wants to buy Rafa the latest number. Rafa t-shirt, 
Ben's going to give you a little modeling demo right now. Here give us is. a 12, Ben. You can't see with the green screen, but that oh, is a Rafa sort of 21 with the red and the white, uh, red and the black. Uh, you can check it out in the store. Link is below. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it as much as May, May does. That's it. Look at that. I'm modeling it today. I picked it up in your size just in case I'm going to have to hand it over at some point. You might demand it from me at some point. Who knows? I can see me wearing it and you just grabbing it off me at some point and saying I'm not having that. So it I'm is... going to get my own one. I don't need to borrow yours. I don't know, mate. I just I got a feeling that you might just try and make me remove it at some point. So uh, just to just put it on if you didn't have a Rafa uh, item near you. But there's one other thing I just want to say before we go any further. Obviously, we had the the semi-final against Medvedev. We had the final. That was against Norrie. I had John Silk join me. He joined me for, uh, from the Rafa Nadal Academy. And he no. joined me. Uh, that was for the semi-final against Medvedev. And it was really nice to have John there. We've been speaking to John, obviously. And he's been sending us a few nice little bits and pieces and a few pictures. But... Uh, he actually uh, dropped me a, a little message earlier on today. And uh, I don't know, you, you're probably not aware of this one, but I said I'd uh, pop it out there live on the podcast uh, for everybody. And yeah, you can have a look at what's going on over there. Uh, well, it's in Spain, isn't it? And yep. John loving it. Let's see what John has to say. Call yourself a fan, JG. Call yourself a rapper fan. I was up at 5 in this morning watching Rafa in an ATP 500 before heading to the Roland Garros Cafe. I then headed to his favourite clay court to practice on here at the Rafa Nadal Academy before having lunch and then in the afternoon practicing on the Rafa Nadal here centre court where he would normally be practicing himself. Anyway, I'm about to go and have some talks with Uncle Tony, maybe to join the team. Cheers. <laughs> There's John Silk at the Rafael Nadal Academy. He's firing shots at me there from the academy. Um, listen, he needs to drink more than that beer to have a chance against anyone there, especially me, because I think I'd wipe the floor with him. Uh, yeah, I'm thought... loving it, John. Good fighting talk. Great that you're having a good time. And I am a big Rafa fan. As I've said a few times on the podcast, I had some family commitments I had to attend <laughs> to this weekend. It wasn't a case that I couldn't stay up or I wasn't want to watch it. I had to put my family first in this situation. And unfortunately, Rafa just comes a little bit behind my family at the moment. I wouldn't, don't, mate, you don't have to apologize for doing, uh, having family functions and stuff. It's all in good jest. Like John's just having a laugh. And no, it's not John. And, it's not, not so much John. I've been getting a lot of uh, messages. Oh, yeah, like, mate, individual don't messages. Listen people, to these people. They're gunning mate. for me. Where's JG? He's not a real mate, Rafa fan. He's this, he's that. Mate, don't listen to it. Everybody knows how big a Rafa fan you are. Everybody likes to jump on the bandwagon. I've seen a lot of people jump into your defense as well. So, there's no doubt of how much a bigger Rafa fan you are. I just thought it was funny that John made this video going through all of his list of how big a Rafa fan he is. Just followed up with a little sip of beer and him claiming to go and meet I mean, Tony he's, he's a very He's very good with words. I like the way he did that. So fair play to John. I know. So anyway, I just thought I'd play that anyway, just at the top of the uh, top of the hour, just to get out of the way. I know you hadn't seen it, and I just thought you'd find it a pretty amusing. It made me chuckle earlier when he sent it to me. Yeah, no, it's a good one. Let's move on for the tweets. Yeah, 
Right, let's move on to the next one. So here we have, this is what I thought was quite interesting. You've got Rafael Nadal collects his 1,043rd ATP Tour winning match. What? Uh, exceeded <laughs> Novak what? Djokovic in the best winning percentage in the Open era. Um, is that so real? Go down. So he's 1,043 matches. What? In the ATP Tour. Yeah, because well, we, we saw in Paris, Ben. It was I know, 1, but it's 000, just like... It's 1,000th match. I've got to Djokovic, put this... Djokovic is going to get to his 1,000 this year as well. As yeah, you can see, he's nine be... away. I've got to give this like a reaction of just like any normal person who doesn't know anything about tennis. A 1,000 is crazy. Remember when we saw that? Now he's up to 1,040. Right. When is it going to end? It's just so mad. I mean, it's... That many wins. It's not even the amount of matches either. If it said a thousand matches, I'd be like, what? A thousand and forty-three wins. Uh, mate, it's just <laughs> well, ridiculous. to put it into perspective, Ben, as 12 Travel 21 saying, Roger and Jimmy have yeah, over I mean, 1,200 wins. It is beyond belief. I mean, I'm hoping, he... I'm hoping Rafa can overtake Federer. That's something I would like to he see. Might be I able to. Forget the, this whole GOAT debate. We're not having one of them. No. Just talking about some statistics. We'll be able to judge them all when they're retired. For me, I would love to say that Rafa Nadal has more wins than Federer. You love that win percentage. That, well, that would be you? nice. And the win percentage is a big thing for me. And <laughs> as you can see now, he's only just, with Djokovic Squeeze losing, Rafa it. winning, he's just eclipsed Novak Djokovic there of a 0.10%. Uh, yeah, so a tenth of a percent is higher than, than Djokovic on the winning uh, percentages on the ATP Tour. It's, I mean, it's in this in this in this debate though, every every little counts, and I'm sure all the Rafa fans out there are really loving the fact that he's at the top of the pile on that win percentage. That's for sure. You got Edgar saying, "Why didn't you? Why didn't JD post this three <laughs> months ago?" Well, it's a good question, Edgar, because I was looking at it three months ago, but I didn't choose to post it, and that's down to Ben. Ben, as the Djokovic fan, should be posting that. He didn't. I've taken my opportunity with both hands. Well, at the end of the day, Rafael Nadal wasn't on the tour three months ago, was he? He was out. I think it's only fair to do it whilst both players are actually playing. I think that's fair. That's a fair comment. I don't think you can take that away. Whilst they're both playing in tournaments, Djokovic could have got further in his tournament. He lost to Vesely. I'm not going to hold that against him because Vesely played amazing. Deserved to be in that final. But Rafa... He, he just beat who was in front of him, as he always does. Let's have a look down this list as well, what other players there is. So you've got Bjorn Borg, third, Federer, fourth, Jimmy yeah. Connors, uh, their fifth, McEnroe, Lendl, Lever, Sampras, uh, Murray, Becker. Murray uh, doing very Villa. well. Speed yeah, there. Murray's high. He is high, yeah. 77.16. And the reason I say this is high is because, let's be honest, pre-injury, you'd think he'd been closer to the 80s. And, and the amount he, of he, right now he's very hit and miss. Like there's a lot of losses. I feel like he wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one at the moment. So that percentage is always coming down, Ooh. and it's a shame because pre sort of the hit problems he was having, he would have been right up there. But Andy well, Murray is, of... is a special player, man. Well, there's a reason at... people call it the Big Four. Well, look who he's next to. He's next to somebody who's got 17 Grand Slams. He's nearly on the same as Sampras. Like that's what that's had the level that Murray was playing at really throughout his career. And you got to think he's mixed in with 
people with much more grand slams than what he had like above him like they're like sampras and people like yeah, that like the Mac only reason what... that is because of the generation he played yeah, in he exactly. played in a, in a tougher era you could say with them big them three at the top yep. just dominating you've got 12 travel 21 saying uh, Murray's catching up Rafa for losses. Only needs nine more to level Rafa. That's sad. <laughs> I don't say. It's, it's sad. Jokovic, I'm so. going to tell you now, Ben. It's going to happen. I'm telling you now, Murray's going to level up with Rafa for losses. Retire now. Make sure you get out while you can. Quit while you're ahead. <laughs> yeah, but let's move on. Moving on from that one. Yes. Well, this is a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to do Three, it? Yeah. 15 wins in 2022. No defeats, three finals, three titles, one Grand Slam, and the 91st title in Acapulco at 35 years old. And something that I actually alluded to on uh, on the final, actually, which was quite interesting, that the, the last 10 finals before this one that he just played, which now we can make it the last 11 finals he's played and he has won. Okay. And guess who said that? Gene. No other than him. Rafa's now won 11 finals in a row. Yeah. That's insane. It's pretty, mad. pretty incredible. And well, I'm not surprised. When you look at Rafa, he's not just a good player. Djokovic has said it many times. The guy's a fighter. He's got a, he's got that fighting instinct better than yeah. any other player on tour. And you'd think in a situation which is a final, which can be a bit of a nervous occasion, often... I always would say a final sort of if if you've got a better player sort of 80-20, if it's a final, it then becomes sort of a 60-40. It's always closer because you've got that final nerves, anything can happen. Uh, but with Rafael Nadal, it doesn't seem to be the case. I feel whatever whoever he's playing against, if it's a final, you kind of fancy him. And I think yeah, that was typified at the definitely. start of the year, Australian Open. I agree. Two sets down to Daniel Medvedev, one of the best players in the world, currently the world number one. And it wasn't looking great for him, but in a final. You just can't ever write him off. And I've learned that the hard way because I went against him. <laughs> I know, um, mate. You're the never going to People now are asking Ben, was doing it with Djokovic the other year when he started the year so strong. Um, I think, the, what was the first time he lost Djokovic? Was it the US Open when he got defaulted? Did he go all that way? Yeah. What, for what, last year? There was a time when he went on that unbeaten run. Do you remember he won oh. like 20 matches, 25? I forget the yeah. amount of number now. I can't remember who. Do you remember? It was and we did a podcast. Is Rafa going to yeah. go the whole season unbeaten? Is Djokovic going to go the whole season unbeaten? Oh, yeah, I remember, remember it. I can't remember who he lost to though. Eventually, I remember it was a very long. It was about twenty-eight, wasn't it? To th nearly thirty matches, was it unbeaten? Yeah. Something. Yeah, my question to you now is: Well, Gene's posing it. When's Rafa going to lose a match? Well, now well, now almost in March. It When's just it going to happen? It depends which tournaments he enters. And that's why I said to you on one of the last uh, podcasts, I reckon he has to be very selective on the tournaments he enters. I don't think he should go for Madrid. I think that that's just for a big serving. It's a fast court. Go to Monte Carlo. Go to Rome. They're where you really excel. And then go to Roland Garros. And then I think that's where he's going to pick up. Like, you can't judge last year's Monte Carlo on actual Rafa standards that's my personal opinion I think Rafa last year at Monte Carlo he had some real he had some back issues or something didn't he, he did, it, there was the serve was all over the place so, it was terrible it was double fault after double fault he lost to Rublev it was shocking and he even admitted it that's not that's not how he would have ever wanted to turn up and play in Monte Carlo 
I think if he turns up again and he plays like he's playing now, I mean, who's going to stand in his way? Uh, maybe only people like a Novak Djokovic have the minerals to go up against him right now. Maybe Sitapas, he's the reigning champ. He may have something to say, but he's got to really buck up his ideas. And I hope that he's better on the clay than he has been on the hard recently. He hasn't been impressing me over the last few weeks. Nice. And yeah, that was uh, 2011, Djokovic. 46 and 0, he went. That wasn't the one Whoa. I'm talking about, but there was another one he did. <laughs> uh, no, it's 41, 40... sorry. 41 and 0. Pretty a... mad. That is, that is. I mean, that's still got a long way to go to be able to replicate that. You'd think he's going to be playing Indian Wells coming up next. And yeah, well, I mean, that's sort of the last, I don't know, because that could potentially be his last event he plays of the sort of hardcore calendar until later on in the year. So he's then going to be going into the clay courts. I just, I would love for him to win Indian Wells, going to the clay courts unbeaten. Uh, that's something we've never seen it before. Mad. It before. would be mad. If he manages uh, to get could, through Indian Wells. I, I generally think if that is to happen, we're going to be in for one of his, the most special seasons ever. And I think for Rafa fans, they're going to be ecstatic. Yeah, they are. I'm just uh, double checking. Uh, you were, yeah, you were totally right. The first loss of that year in 2020 was that default against. Yeah, Kano I remember. Rupert. How can you forget then? We was doing it. I remember because there was like a, there was like little bits in between. Obviously, he had the Adria Tour and all of that. I know he did lose during the Adria Tour to like I think it was no, right. bitch an or something like that. I know. Yeah, exactly. But just one of those things. It was such a like spaced out weird year where there was a lot of stuff going on. My memory is not the best, as you all know. Uh, I have to always check. A f I have to fact check everything. Otherwise, I get things wrong. But anyway, let's move on to the next tweet. See what yeah, we got May here on. saying, yeah. I love Rafa, but no way he will get to the clay season unbeaten. Uh, 12 travel to understand he should definitely skip Miami. The last time he won Indian Wells, 2013, and he promptly skipped Miami afterwards. I agree. I think play Indian Wells, skip Miami, and that will be... If you can win Indian Bowls, definitely skip it. I agree. I totally agree with that. I don't think he needs to play both. Uh, well, it's not going to do him any favours. Indian Wells, that is the, the court surface that suits him the best. And obviously, we just seen Cam Norrie, last year's champion at Indian Wells. He's just beating him straight sets in the final. So I just want to just uh, apologise. I did get Pete Sampras's Grand Slam record wrong earlier. I'm, I don't know. I lost my head. I had a few beers earlier. So does that forgive me. It's 14, not 17. I saw someone right in the live chat. But I just didn't. I didn't want to interrupt when you were talking. It is 14, not okay. 17. Looking at these two photos of Rafa, he's the youngest champion in 2005, 18 years old. Now the oldest champion in Acapulco, 35 years old. What's the big That's difference mad. between an 18-year-old Rafa, Ben, and 35-year-old Rafa? You can Better. see him there. Better the hair. big difference? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Was, what do you mean better? It's worse hair. What do you mean worse hair? You would love that. I, bet, before. I, I can imagine, like, if you could pick, like, any type of Rafa that you would like to be on the tennis. If I said to you... Yeah, it was, no, you it was a young be, Rafa. If you could be one of the Rafas... You would be that young Rafa on the court. Oh, you, you, I would be the, I could, I would be the 05 Rafa. Yeah, like exactly. Was, no, I'd be 08 Rafa. If you could put you onto the court with that, with the sleeve, like the the like the sleeveless tops and the the long hair, the the bamoses, 
I think that you'll be in your element. I think that would be I mean, your it, dream. Everyone said, it's funny when I passed that question, everyone said his hair. Everyone was alluding <laughs> to that. You've got Ollie, you've got May saying about the hair. You've got Liam going for something different, saying better English, uh, slightly. Oh, okay. I guess. Unbelievable. I guess accurate. <laughs> I'd say uh, definitely... He's got less of, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say less wrinkles, but obviously he does have less wrinkles. No, he, because... just, he doesn't have wrinkles, Ben. That'd be stupid. But less what what... he does have, he, he doesn't show his biceps so often. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. He's like less skin on show, really, there. Uh, maybe he's got he's a better serve. Player. I like that from Ken. Definitely got a better serve now. I'm liking his second serve. And what, about, serve. Uh, what about the, the hair's the big one? You're looking at it. The hair's changed a lot. They I like it off a bit in that one, aren't they? Yeah, it's probably not the best photo, but we we've seen enough of him to judge. Let's see how does it go. You can go a bit deeper if you really want. We go a bit closer if you want to have a little bit more in depth uh, analysis. <laughs> no, I think I think I'm done. Let's move on to the next one. All right, no worries. <laughs> anyway, so I, I thought this was some good thoughts. I didn't get to watch the match live, but you did, so I let yeah. you talk about it. If you wasn't sleeping too much, I know, mate. Um, it was tough. It was very tough for me that match. I was uh fighting off uh the sandman as they call him uh he was trying to send me to sleep during the match it was got to about five six in the morning and uh i was trying to get an energy drink to keep me going through it but that wasn't uh, even sufficing and uh i just thought it didn't seem like one of those matches that he was that troubled and that was my big worry for cam nori in the whole final thing I think Cam Norrie is great to a point, but and he did manage to break Rafa. And I said that he had break Rafa in the second set, and he did break Rafa in the second set. It just he just didn't have the the extra gear to get him over the line. Never had the extra gear to just hold his serve after breaking that type of thing. And he finally pulled out a whole game full of aces right at the end of the match. I was like, well, where was that? The whole match. He just, uh, he was losing. He was about to lose. And he's suddenly like four aces in one game. I swear it was four aces. Anyway, it was, if it not, it was three aces in one game. Pretty incredible. I've never seen Cam Norrie hit so many aces. I mean, was... I've seen a bit of slander for Cam Norrie. Uh, Liam no, saying he's a, he's a complete fraud, easy final. I can, I can strongly disagree. I understand sort of the, the, the Cam Norrie of old, you can make a case for it. But right now, I was generally seriously worried about this match. And I was thinking I could wake up to Nadal losing. I did the same thing with the squinty eyes in the morning, refreshing the phone, trying to Classic. find out what happened. Rafa like won, jumped out of bed, had a lovely breakfast, and the breakfast tasted that little bit better. My eggs in the morning, um, just extra seasoned with that Rafa win. These three <laughs> points here from uh, Owen, I'm going to read each one out individually. I want to see what you had to say about it because you covered the match. Yeah. So man. Nadal's touch on the penultimate point was outrageous. Yeah. Was it that good? Mate, some of his stuff, even the penultimate point, amazing. But the, throughout the match, I think he just had that extra, like, final. Like, when you play in a final, he just had that extra level of just ability. And you just got to see it on certain points. You just saw like, oh, look, I'm going to play a drop shot now. And Norrie just was never expecting it. That type of thing. That, yeah. You know, drop shots experience are Experience like... as well. Experience it, yeah, is I a mean... big factor. I think number Norrie two, played well, Number though. two, Ben, we've got Nadal should wear that kit for every tournament until the day he retires. Do you agree? 
well, until he loses, I heard someone say last night. Yeah, wear it until you lose. That's my attitude. I think do not take that kit off until you lose a match. Well, I'm sorry to say there's going to be a new kit for Indian Wells. So, oh, no. Is that official? Yeah, 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 apparently so. Apparently there is new Rafa merch coming. Uh, Indian Wells, the Miami, the, the Sunshine Double. There will be new Rafa kit on. So it's a big yeah, one for him, for sure. We've got Match Point Canada in, backing up what I was saying. Uh, saying, love the live as always. Cheers, mate. Uh, saying, no Cam Norris slander. Dude is very <laughs> good player. Challenging to play. He's been in great form. Three weeks now after career uh, year in 2021. I agree completely. I'm not going to accept any slander. And I've been someone who has slandered him in the past. Uh, not too, not Never too intensely, because in fact, out of the British players, he's one I've warmed to more than most. Uh, but this, these last few years, he's seriously top, top player. He's just beating Sissipas. Yeah. And you've Let got to understand put... that I think Cam Norrie on his day, well within the top 10, he's generally that good. Well, he would have been there had he have won. Uh, let me put this into perspective for you. If everybody's going to start throwing shade at Cam Norrie, Nadal beat Medvedev 6-3, 6-3 in the semi-final. Oh, it's not going to be tennis maths, is it? No, but... I'll be listening to this. Well, no, this is the new world number one. He just beat 6-3, 6-3. And Cam Norrie in the final, he lost 6-4, 6-4. So he did better than the world <laughs> number one. On. So uh, I'm not going to say... I'm, I'm just putting it out there for people who want to criticise him because he did break... Well, he was the one who broke Rafael Nadal in this, uh, in this match. Medvedev... He didn't break Rafael Nadal once, I don't believe, in the whole match. Yeah, and something you've not mentioned, Ben, is Rosal beat Nadal at Wimbledon. So I think Rosal's better than Medvedev. Nah, mate, you're, you're missing a trick here. <laughs> you're missing a trick. I'm it's a big thing. I'm pulling your leg. Beating, pulling your leg. No, like, to beat Rafael Nadal is too, that tough that Medvedev couldn't even break his serve. Cam Norrie managed to break Nadal's serve in this match and he showed more fight than I think he showed the last time that they uh, actually played. Yeah. And that was that. I think it's just about small like gains for Cam Norrie. When you're playing those big players in the big finals, you're always going to have more nerves and you're not going to be able to get it over the line. But it's about how you grow as a player. And I felt like he grew in yesterday's final. I was actually, uh, I was, I would be proud of that, even though it was still straight. Right, we've got Gene here asking, how far can he go at Indian Wells, where he's defending champ? I think well, it's all about the draw for me. Takes out. Um, I think after Rafa. playing, <laughs> listen, he's, 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 he's in a good vein of form. I think he needs a nice draw. Uh, yeah. Last year, he was afforded a not a bad draw. There was a lot of big seeds going out. He did have some big wins along the way. Ultimately, we've got a Bassas Vili Cam Norrie final. I don't think we're going to see the same situation again. No. So it'll be tough, but. Even if he can, say, get to a, a semi-final or even a quarter-final, I think that's a successful Indian Wells. Yeah, him. definitely. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my attitude on that. I'm happy the third point, Ben, let's get through these because I know yeah, we've got yeah, loads of different is. topics to talk about. Uh, I will not stop believing that Dow can achieve crazy things on a tennis court until the day he retires. This yeah. one's more for me. I had a little bit of doubt at the Australian Open. Never again. I'm saying yeah. I keep having to emphasise this. And all the Rafa fans and everyone else across the world should should follow me. You can't doubt the guy. He now is performing at the very top of the game. He has been for many, many years and he's not losing matches. So we've not even seen him on the clay yet. And it just he just shows from what he did with Medvedev. Down two sets, love 43-2 and he won the match. I'm always going to believe in him. 
I don't think you should ever not believe in him. Like when you're one of these great players, and I think the same goes for Djokovic, same goes for Federer, those type of players you should always believe in. And I, I don't know, like there's something I was speaking to. Obviously, I've been having a little secret uh, chat with John uh, when you're not around, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> just because he's been pinging me a few things from the Rafa Academy. And he said, he said when the cat's was, away, is it? When the cat's yeah. away, the mice will play. He said you something the very. Little, the mice is. He said mouse. something like very. Uh, I think it was very true, actually. That was in our little uh, chat. He said, "I I wouldn't say that you're now a converted Rafa fan, but I think that Rafa's stolen a piece of your heart." And I'm thinking, I I totally agree with that. Like he definitely did in that final. I haven't seen somebody do what he did in that tournament because you've got to put into perspective the way I viewed Rafa. Like, because I didn't view Rafa the same way as you all view Rafa. You all view Rafa as this, like, he's going to come back. He's going to be amazing. I view Rafa as he may, this may be the end for Rafa because of his injury. And that's yeah. why it was so much more it's impactful for me. With him. Yeah, no, there was so much more impact. I, I thought he was literally, this could be, his one of his last years on tour. And I was like, that's why it got hit me so hard. Like uh, the fact that I thought, oh no, I've actually doubted him. And when we saw him in all that trouble and then he came back, it was like, oh my word, it's like overwhelming. Like how much respect I have for him now. Like that type of thing. It's it, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like it's all just about personal perspective of how you saw him originally from the back end of last year and uh that's that's the reason that i've felt that way in that final yes here's a quote from rafa saying there are many people in the world who are having a hard time so why should i be angry or break a racket i feel so lucky for all of i all i've experienced i've achieved (laughs) much more than i ever dreamed of it could be a sort of against a lot of players (laughs) on tour because i believe cam norrie broke a racket in that Uh, match yeah he you are right. I didn't. I've never seen. I said it at the time. I've never really seen Cam Norrie break a racket really well, before. Listen, he doesn't. So from my memory, it's, it's, he's a very calm character on the court. We know he likes to serve fast. He's got a very modern style of play, um, and he, it's not really in his character. But you've got to understand, it's been a very challenging time for a lot of people. And him having a lot of his family, I think most of his family in New Zealand. Yeah. I don't know if you're you're aware of this, but he's not seen them for over two years now because of yeah. COVID. So there's a lot of factors that come into play with that. Uh, him being isolated from his family for so long, I'm yeah. sure that does add to the, uh, the sort of the, his emotions and the way he feels. Um, but ultimately, I don't like the whole racket smashing. I know you at times don't mind it. Um, I'd say, just on this point for the Cam Nori racket smash, probably the cleanest racket smash I've ever seen. And... It, it wasn't on the same level of anger that I've seen other ones. You know that we've seen Zverev, he was like, yeah. bang, on the umpires. We've seen Djokovic into the ground 10 times. Cam Norrie picks up the racket in his hand. One toss at the floor, just one throw, and the racket breaks. And that's it. There wasn't like a multiple smash. It was just a picks it up and just goes, no, bang. It just so smashed. Look, Eddie it, here, just clarifying. Cam said it's only his second time. Uh, breaking a racket. But it was an impressive break because I don't think many players could break it on the just one throw. And he didn't even, he didn't connect with the floor with his hand with the racket. He chucks the racket at the floor. 
and it broke. So Cam Norrie, some serious mental strength and power, I feel, coming from uh, him there. And controlled aggression, I'd call that, in racket smashing. I don't know. Maybe if I was professional, I would smash a racket. There's been many times when I play tennis, I get frustrated and I feel my body threatening to do it. And then I look at my racket and think, I can't afford another racket. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to smash this racket. So I can't I can't see myself ever doing it. Um, and even as a professional, there is something in part of me which I don't like the whole wasted side of it. I know it's a racket. I don't like the idea of you smashing something that someone's made for you to play with. That's just It's very old school and a bit weird to some people, but that's just my attitude on it. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Well, I thought it was a bit weird that Zverev smashed up his racket against the umpire and then gave it to the crowd. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a memento. That's probably worth a lot, that one. He's like, oh, here's the one I got banned for. It was a bit months. strange, yeah. It was very sure. weird. And they were very happy to get it, obviously. I mean, I'm not trying to venture saying I'm talking about getting it out of the game altogether. I don't suggest that. It's never going to happen. You're always going to see it. I don't just make me that mad. I take it with a pinch of salt. Just not something I'm, I'm not a big fan of, and I don't think I would ever do it myself. So we've got here defeating Cam Norrie at uh, Acapulco. Uh, Rafael Nadal collects his 30th title without dropping a set. Open era for him. So he is now leading for the most wins, most titles he's won without dropping a single set. And that's 30. So just overtaking wow. Jimmy Connors at the top, that's 29. Big. You've got Lendl, 28. McEnroe, 27. Djokovic, is it? No, not Djokovic. Federer is above Djokovic. Um, I feel with that stat, you've got to remember Djokovic, he always does drop a set here and there. Do you know what I mean? With Djokovic, there's yeah, I agree. Like he he's he's likely to go down two sets and win a match. Or I think that's the difference the between him and Nadal is often Nadal will go for a just event, especially at Roland Garros from time to time, and just blitz everyone. Yeah, yeah. Without dropping that, a single set. That's where we that's where Djokovic wins a lot of his fans, though. You got to remember that. Like, I think if Djokovic won as many in straight sets, I don't know if he'd be as popular, maybe, as someone like Rafa. I think the fact that Djokovic does it from such compromised positions so I many think that's times. A good point. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with what you're saying. There. It's the style of play. Yeah. It's a defensive it's style of yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, because he's defensive up until the point when he needs to become offensive, and then suddenly you see, oh look, now the gas tank takes over, and it's almost seeing like a fighter in the ring who he's conditioned himself. He's been he's been knocked down for the first two. He's another but... one, really. A bit like Rafa. If he's down in a match, you never really write him off either. You just can't he's at like any type... stage. I'll put this comparison. He's like a Tyson Fury. You got Deontay Wilder on the other side, and you got Novak Djokovic like your Tyson Fury. He can go for twelve rounds, so he doesn't worry about getting knocked down once or twice in the fight because he knows he's going to go all the way, the distance every time. So I like that. Is there any more down the list? Should I go down a bit more? Oh, a oh there's a big drop there. Cool, goes down seven. I didn't realise it went down like... Uh, I thought we were going down like one at a time or maybe three at a time. Yeah, Andy Murray not quite making it on this list. Oh, He's always someone who drops a few sets here and there as well. Yeah, well, that's just... Andy and Vanchi is saying Novak uh, loves giving the crowd hope. Well, I think he just... He does like, do that as well. He should have I think like... He, a... not, just the, not just the crowd, he likes to give the opponent hope as well. He likes giving them a set. 
to make them believe that they can actually win the match and then give them a few break points as well. And then when he does them aces, it just completely demoralizes them. And then he just blitzes it from there. And it just is it's special. I do like, I do enjoy watching Djokovic. Uh, he's a master at work at times. It's, it's almost like similar to when I've seen like certain people in UFC and they say, and when they say about their opponent, they say, oh, I don't want to knock him out. I want to take him the full five rounds and I want to beat the brakes off him over the full distance and see how he finishes at yeah. the end of the so match. Take him to deep water. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to come out at the end of the fifth, like at the fifth round or the fifth set, let's say. And I want to be the one who's standing there still fresh saying I can go another five when watching them on their knees going, no more, please, please. I can't do any more. Anyway, on to next. (laughs) So away from all of this now, we're now moving on to some other news and some other events. So we've spoke about Acapulco. We spoke about Rafael Nadal. We've had 36 minutes on him. It's not bad going. It's not Um, enough, is it? It's not enough. We could do another 36 (laughs) if you want. Uh, Make sure to give us a like on the video. Subscribe if you are new. But let's talk about some other events. So Dubai happening on the women's this year. It was a Masters uh, 1000, WTA. I'm not sure. Doha. Do they, do they call them premiers? Uh, no, not, not, sorry, apologies. Not Dubai, Doha. Yeah. So the Qatar Open. And with this one, we had the final I predicted. You so did it, mate. the final I predicted. I believe we had Joanna uh, Saar talking about, congratulations, JG, on your perfect prediction uh, of WTA Doha finalist. And the winner, by the way, Adding that one in there. So I know, I think on the previous <sighs> podcast we were speaking about, it and I said Contevate, but luckily when I was doing the bracket, <laughs> I did pick Eager. And I mean, I'm shocked. She demolished her. She absolutely what demolished Contevate in the final. We both went for Contevate, didn't we? And then I looked the next day, I was like, no way. A bagel. I think she only won two games, Contevate. Yeah. Six love, six two. That's mad. Wow. I'm actually like quite happy in a way, even though I was saying Contevate. The fact the more eager can get like those type of results, I'm super stoked for her because I know that she can do it. She can be like the best on hard and clay, I think. I think and and grass. She's obviously was she um, didn't she do well at uh, junior Wimbledon as well? She did, but she's not been great in more recent years. But I, I think saw her she struggling can. to Heather Watson last year. I think East, she can. Was it? I forget which one it was. It was one of the ones pre-Wimbledon. Uh, but she did come back and win that match in the end. But I remember watching it on the TV and it was yeah, a bit shaky. She's going to she's gonna definitely progress like she has on the other surfaces. Uh there was a comment here from Jean saying, very happy for Eager. Uh, Annette making top five debut on Monday. So yeah, that's a great thing for her. And I liked particularly the Iga, of course. She is from Poland. She was, I don't know if you're going to go up, mate. Sorry. She was talking about, obviously, all the news. You can't really avoid it. What's happening in Ukraine with the war oh. uh, from Russia. We don't want to talk too much about the politics, but it is extremely sad. And we do have a platform to talk about it. Of course, we do stand with Ukraine on this podcast. And we're supporting the country through this very, very tough time they're enduring. Hopefully, we can get out of it. And, yeah. No war. We do not want a war. We want to spread peace. Like I feel like ninety nine percent, even if not more, of the world would like to see as well. But unfortunately, we have some crazy people in control who just don't want to have peace, and they want to have these wars. 
We've got Eager here saying, if sport can connect us, even a, even if a bit today, and give us a tiny bit of joy in these tough moments, I'm grateful for that. And obviously, I think sport is such a valuable tool in a situation like this, which is a global crisis, to try and bring people together. I know football's doing their bit. Tennis are doing their bit as well. And I, I take my hats off to these tennis players who are, are using their platform and trying to spread a bit of joy as well. And I certainly got a lot of joy from Iga winning. I'm a big fan of her. And Poland as well are doing a great job helping so many refugees into the country at the moment from yeah. Ukraine. And uh, I think she's a credit to the country. Definitely is. I feel bad. I saw some uh, posts from Yastremska. Uh, they managed to get out of the Ukraine and her sister, I believe it was, uh, that type of thing. And I just, it just makes me, it's making me very sad at the moment, this whole uh, scenario. And the one thing that the, I don't know if you even like say about it, like, I just think that obviously, like, Russia's had like this whole thing about wanting to be the greatest in all the sports and that type of thing. Obviously, I'm not attributing this to the Russian sports stars who actually that do the sports. Like they're 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 not responsible for anything. But there was the whole Olympic thing with the Russian doping thing, and then we've had like obviously the people at the top want Russia to win everything, and I just feel like I don't really understand like the end goal in this whole thing is if you really want to be good, like obviously this is about like this is about political stuff. This isn't about sport, but there's such a big thing, sport in Russia, that they want to be the best at all sports. But I feel like by doing what you're doing, like if you achieve your goal, there won't be any more sports. And I just think that that like, you won't you won't even be able to say I'm best of this sport because there'll only be one. Like and then it's just I don't understand it. Like it just it for me I I I'm just I don't know. There's just like this uh, horrible feeling inside all the time at the moment, and I don't, I can't get rid of it, and I can't understand any of it. And I, I can only try. I'm trying to try and convey like some sort of understanding. I think so, that's just certain instances you're referring to there. On the whole, my attitude is I feel very bad for Russian players in general. Of course, no, we've got definitely. so many tennis players, and they're sort of getting tarnished with a bad brush. Nothing to do with them. It's not their choice. Mm. And I feel like some of them are doing some great stuff as well. So next one. Yeah, I totally agree. And obviously so we've got Andre we got Rublev this here. This is the last event we've not spoke about. He did win Dubai. Uh, big, big win. Another for Russian. Him. Another ATP 500. And he's saying uh, now it's not about tennis. It's not about sport. It's about having peace all over the world. We need to support each other. He well also done, wrote Rublev. on the camera about no war. He's standing up for it. And it was pretty emotional seeing him, if I'm honest. And there's a lot of Russians um, in the country at the moment who do not want this situation. And I stand with all of them as well, if I'm honest. That's just my that's my attitude to it. You and it was a great win because he beat Yiri Vesely, who's in incredible form. He said some really nice things about Vesely after the match. So Vesely, as we know, beat Djokovic, Agu, Cilic, um, Shapovalov. Yeah. And Rublev was Massive. saying, if you've just beaten them four guys, he went for all of them. He was like, Djokovic, I can't beat him. Agut used to have about a three and a half hour match with him. Um, Cilic, I lost two a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. And Shapo's always obviously a tough match as well. If you're able to beat all of them players, no wonder you're going to lose to me because you must be absolutely exhausted. <laughs> and he was just saying that as from his own experience of playing them players. 
Yuri Vesely has had a fantastic event, but really he was a bit out of depth in the final because he's just probably had to work so hard to get there. He didn't have anything left to give. And Rublev was able to sort of, he had a, well, not a lot of tough route to get in there. Nah, and just sort was of cleaned it? up in the final. It was nowhere near as tough, was it? Like uh, Evans, Kwan, McDonald, her catch. Yeah. Like you compare that to Agut, Chilic, Popren, uh, Djokovic, Shapovalov. It's like uh, not really the same, is it? Um, I'm totally in support. Uh, I, lo- I love Andre Rublev. I think he's uh, somebody who's great for the sport. I just hope that he's able to gain all of the attributes it is to take him to the next level. We know that he's in that top 10. Just needs a few extra touches. That's it. We know how good he is on the hard courts. We know that he struggles against some of the elite. Just needs a small little touch. Like maybe just like. I mean, better... I like the guy as a person. As a tennis player, yeah. I'm a bit dubious. I think a bit one dimensional. I've not been impressed. That's what I mean. 22. I think he won this event not playing very good opposition. Her catch is tough. But yet again, he's going to get found out in other events. He needs I'm to not... improve drastically. Yeah. We've got 12 travel to an saying, Didn't Vesely have to go through qualies? Yes, yeah. he did. Exactly. Makes it even makes it even more of a credit to him. <laughs> yeah, and you gotta remember this is now a second year running. Obviously, Karatsev was the reigning champ there. Yeah. So and now Russia's we've got another it. Russian. Moving away from Russia uh, and Russian tennis, back to GB tennis now. And Come we have on. someone who is flying. It's not Emma Raducanu. This is a very positive story of British tennis right now, and it's Jack Draper on a hot streak, yeah. 10 and 0, two challenges back to back. Amazing. And today, he rallied back from 5-1 down in the tie break in the final against Richard, who's a really good tennis player. Very good. And won it uh, 8-6, the tie break. So That's he was 5-1 down and won it 8-6, showing his resilience. Won two challenges in Italy back-to-back, playing so well. He's now cracked the top 150, I believe. And yep. he's approaching that top 100. And... In terms of British tennis, I am really pumped with this guy. We got to see him in action at Wimbledon against Djokovic. He took a set. Um, I think the future's bright. It really is. And I'm someone, he's someone I'm going to get behind massively. Unfortunately, we've not covered enough of the challenges recently. And that's going to change very soon. And we have an idea which we're going to present to you in a minute. Uh, but what's your take on Jack Draper? I'm super excited. I know that we've been trying to sort of insert the narrative, let's say, over the, a few podcasts in the, the past few weeks because Jack Draper has been playing well. He's been someone we've been wanting to get behind. Most of all, me as well. I'm all for GB players and I'm all for getting behind the British talent. And for him to have now, that's his third challenger title. And it was tough, this one. Played tough players. Played Jesper de Jong we've had on the podcast. He played Van uh, Van Reithoven. We've he played Watanuki. Played Michael Moe, uh, Mursad uh, Basic, and then in the final with Richard, people might say, "Oh, who's Richard? Like, what's he done?" He's actually had a really good tournament as well. He's good. He, yeah. he knocked out Marchenko in straight sets in this one. That was actually the one. Remember, when I showed you that ball kid. The small baby one was on the yeah. court. That was uh, right. beating Elias in that match. That was, and then he beat uh, Van Rijhoven in straight sets. And Nuno Borges, probably one of the biggest upcoming. Yeah. He's Portuguese not been beating nobody's. No, for sure. It's a really tough circuit, the Challenger Tour. And Jack Draper for me already showing what he's doing. 
20 years old. I think he's honestly ready for sort of ATP tennis. He's that good. Part and I can't close. wait to see him there. Very I think close. For me, now the next step is the physique, sort of building on that and yeah. sort of endurance in a longer match. He's got all the shots. He's got all the ability. Just a little bit. He needs to get some experience. Give him some time. I'd love to see him on the tour early, though. I think get him on the tour. I don't mind if he loses loads of first round. Just give him some experience against some of these other players, some of the more experienced players on tour. And um, I think that would be really good. It's not going to be like a Radu Kanu story, this one, where he's going to go from a qualifying position and go win a Grand Slam. But let's hope he can just I sort of have some, have some runs. I think it's a bit more of a sustainable model. Like Matt Murray Jake wasn't one. like that, though. Murray was more like he was a grower. He yeah, just suddenly it, it's came more up. sustainable. And I'm I'm really I'm really excited by the future for Jack Draper. So let's earn your stripes. Earn your stripes. Like that's what uh, a lot of people will say on the top. I mean, I can't take anything away from Radu Khan. Like there's everybody would take that if they could, but most people have to do everything the hard way. And this is what Jack Draper's doing. I think we've been following him for a, quite a long time now. And when he was 18. So the jury was still a little bit out on him. Like we thought he was a big guy. He's about 6'4", 6'5". He's got a good serve, but the rest of the game wasn't really there. So it looks like it's getting there. He saved four match points today. And that doesn't, you can't take that lightly. So well done to him. And uh, who knows? Maybe one day we'll get him on the pod and we can... uh, we can speak about. It. We've spoken to some of his opponents in the past. We spoke to uh, Rybakov, and he he said he's a really really decent player. But that was about two years ago. Now probably even better now. Yeah, and let's talk about challengers. We need to do it more often. Yes. So we've got a new idea. Over to you, Ben. Yes, and here we go. So we've got a new thing like this. Well, I say a new thing, but it's sort of like not new for myself and JG. But it's something we want to bring you guys in on which is uh, a competition which is run, I'd say, over a course of a week. It's five days, Monday to Friday. And this sort of helps you keep your eye on the ball when it comes to all tennis across the board. But especially for us, this is how we sort of kept our eye on the board on challenger tours, ITF tours, and you sort of investigate. And like you become like a little bit of a detective and it helps you keep your eye on some of the good informed players and find some hidden gems in some of these smaller tournaments because there are some amazing talents out there, but you might not know about them yet. And this one, we call it Beat the Odds because most of these are picks that you have to pick on this thing. So I'll take you through how it works. So on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, each day you pick two picks on the day and they have to be on, let's say, on the bookies odds, 1.5 uh, or above. So you pick those and then you so so you could have to go through every minus every, two, 200 for Americans listening. Exactly. So you go through the whole of the list. And this is up to you. You have to go through. You have to search through all of these things. And you can use. We normally would go through and we'd look on something like Flash Scores, which is a very good uh, website. You can look up all of the form and stuff from players, but you can use other things like the tennis app and things like that. Go through and you look up all of their form. Find somebody who has above 1.5 odds. And then you find two of those for each day. And then you log them 
into uh well we've got a form that we'll send out to people who would want to be a part of this and uh it's a quite a fun thing to be a part of to be honest you do that every single day and then the person with the most picks can uh win the thing we used to play this one when we were at work didn't we mate yeah, so we're going to do it regardless. If people want to join, feel free to. We'll send a form round just to register interest um, and just send us an email or drop us a message on Discord if it's something you're interested in taking part on. If not, me and Ben are going to do it regardless. We'll bring you a podcast every Sunday. Are we, or was it Saturday we're going to do? Yeah. I think I mean, Saturday. I think every Saturday we'll bring you yeah. a podcast talking about our previous week and our picks. The last and who week, won yeah. out of me and Ben. That's um, so that's what we're going to be doing every Saturday. So if you don't understand how it works or anything, just wait for next Saturday and it might make it a bit clearer when you see how me and Ben performed in the week leading up to it. But if you want to get involved, the deadline is you've got four hours um, to get involved or three and a half hours to get involved for this week. If not, don't worry, wait for next week. Or if you don't want to do it, laugh at us for our picks what we should do i think for this first week like when we get to saturday next week maybe we can try and document how we've made our selections as well because that might make everybody aware of why we made the picks we made the research we did on each one well that's what then... we're doing in the saturday one ben so we'll be explaining okay, them perfect. we're going to go through each one and talk about how why we got to them so just Great. save it we'll save it for that this is just a little bit of text. You can pause the video and read this if it want to make sense. But that's the rules, how to play. Um, but yeah, we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for joining us, guys. If you haven't already, hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new. We're going to be bringing you a few draw previews tonight. Two on the women's side. We've got Monterey and Leon. I believe Leila Fernandez is back. Some other great players as well. Ooh. So make sure to join us for them draw previews. We're going through the whole draw, picking our winners, picking our dark horses. You can join that on the tennis app, TNNS, on Android or Apple. Uh, but for now, Rafa wins another one. I'm over the moon. See you, see you later. Rafa. <laughs> see you later. Cheers, guys. Podcast Network.